Well, this is uh, embarrassing. Um, it's, it's, it's really no surprise. My sister is here, all the way from Pembroke, Ontario, as well as my niece. And um, she already knows that I'm weird, but uh, now you're going to all think that I'm weird, okay? Because here, here's why. I have, I have tennis elbow in my left arm. And um, that's not my dominant arm. In fact, I'm right-handed. So it begs the question, why, why do I have tennis elbow? And you might say, well, it's because you're playing tennis. And I'm like, no, it's not because I've been playing tennis. It's kind of cold out, right? Um, it's not because of the fact that I've been playing sports. It's not because I've been lifting, even though I have been lifting, as you can tell, right? <laughs> um, so it, it's not from any of those things. It's actually from, and this is the really embarrassing part, when I go to sleep, I grab the, the bedpost above my arm, above, like above my shoulders and head here, and that's how I get tennis elbow, because I sleep really hard. Yeah. And so um, after many, many years of doing this, it's now caused tennis elbow. It's a very freak injury. So I went to, I went to uh, my physiotherapist, and we finally diagnosed the problem. And um, she gave me a few exercises. You know how physiotherapists do these, make you do these weird exercises, right? They call them physioterrorists for that reason. <laughs> and um, and uh, she gave me these exercises, and that's going well. But this is what really has helped. She put this tape on called Leuco tape on my elbow. And this Leuco tape is disadvantaged. And it does nothing to physically stop my hand from going over my head. It's actually all about neurology. It's actually telling my brain not to put my head or my hand over my head. Okay? So why do I tell this story? Because I want to communicate that we can dedicate things and give power to things that don't have power in of themselves. And so in this case, with that Leuco tape, it's dedicated to keeping my arm from going over my head. So now I sleep like this. It's just a reminder of that. And so as created in God's image, human beings are created in God's image, and as Genesis 1.28 says, we have authority and dominion over the earth. We have power to dedicate things. And so today we're going to talk about dedication. And here's a simple definition of, of dedication. Dedication is devoting oneself to a person, purpose, or task. Dedication is devoting oneself to a person, purpose, or task. Now, this is important because... Today, we're calling and challenging you to be more dedicated. And we're going to tackle some questions like, can you dedicate inanimate objects? Can you, should you dedicate people? Should you dedicate your children to God? Should you dedicate others to God? Should you, should you dedicate your, your, your homes to God, your cars? Should you dedicate this church to God, this church building to God? Is it okay to do these things? 
You might say, well, well, you know, what does this have to do with my daily life? Well, what if we actually thought our schools and workplaces and homes and community places were actually places where the kingdom of God and the peace of God was to reign? Can you imagine that? Like, think about the difference that would be. If we reordered our lives to think about, okay, you know what our workplace is? That's a place that is dedicated as a, as, as, as a place for God to work and not just a place to pick up my paycheck. Or what about if you dedicated your home as not just a place where you can retreat, where you can recreate, when you can get enter- be entertained, but you actually dedicated your home as a place where you have communion with God. That you commune with God. That you have, you, you have this amazing place where you can say, this is where God and I this is where God and I can actually get alone and we can, as a family, we can spend time together. Or, or what, about, what about community places and, and schools? Students, what if your classroom wasn't just a place to study, but it was a place where the Holy Spirit guided people into all truth? What do you think about that? That's dedication. That's what we're talking about today. I love this quote by Abraham Kuyper. He was, um, he was the prime minister of, of, Holland, of, of, of Holland. And um, he said this, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who's sovereign over all, control over all, does not cry, Mine! Do you love that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God owns everything? That the earth is the Lord's and everything in it? So it begs the question, is there any part of your life where kind of you've not really let God into? It's an area there. I mean, you're let into a lot of areas, but there's that kind of one place kind of hidden way back there. You know what I'm talking about? Is there any place that you need to say, God, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let go of this. If you have your Bibles, please turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 27 through 47. You can just Google this. You can Google Nehemiah 12, 27 through 47. Find it. You can use your own hard copy of God's Word. We'd love to give you a Bible afterwards. We have a Bible that we'd love to give you. Uh, your own hard copy if you like to read and have something, you know, tactile to read. Um, I'm going to read from Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 27 through 47. And just if you think, you know what, this is, this is written like 2,400 years ago. This has nothing to do with me. And I just remind you, the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which Pastor Jason mentioned earlier, that we are to what? We are to offer our bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So if that was true back 2,400 years ago, and then it's, it's true in the New Testament, and it's true for us today, we're still to be dedicated. We're still supposed to offer our bodies as living sacrifices unto God. Now let's show respect for God's word, God speaking to us. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. And this is one of... This is the second last week before we finish Nehemiah. And I think this is really the last week when you get to watch me stumble over some really hard names, okay? So at least for a while. So um, 
I love it, though, because in your small groups, you've been actually reading the scriptures, and now you have more, more sympathy for me up here, okay? So I need a drink just to make it through all these hard names. Here we go. And at the dedication, there it is, of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites. Levites were one of the tribes of Israel. In all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication. There it is again. With gladness, with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals and harps and lyres. This for a second here. Like cymbals. Right? First service, I got a ringing endorsement from. Oh, that was a dad joke, right? Ringing endorsement from, from Kyle, our drummer. So they had the cymbals, they had harps, they had lyres. And then the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the village of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal, and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. And then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall... And appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. Can you picture that? One went to the south on the wall, to the Dun Gate. And after them went Hosea and half of the leaders of Judah. And Azariah and Ezra and Meshulam and Judah and Benjamin and Shemamiah and Jeremiah. And the certain of the priests, sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemamiah, the son of Madaniah, the son of Mechiah, the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph. Asaph is one of the, the main singers, right, that in David's day, that wrote all these psalms, and the sons of, of Asaph. Here we go, verse 36. And his relatives, Shimei, Shemahiah, Azarel, Milaleah, Gileah, Mei, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hananiah, with the musical instrument of David, musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them, and at the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David as the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. And the other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north. And I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and in the gate of Yashana and the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. And they all came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me, and the priests of Elakim, uh, Messiah, Minimim, Micaiah, Elanoi, Zechariah, Hananiah, with the trumpets, and Masai, Shemai, Eleazar, uh, Uzi, Jehananan, Melchajah, Elam, and Ezer, and the singers sang with Jehezariah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices to David, that day and, and rejoice, for God had made them rejoice with what? Great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. I love that. And on that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather um, into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago in the days of David and Asaph, there's that name again, there were senior directors of the singers, and there were psalms of praise and thanksgiving to God. 
in all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. May God help us to be set apart today as his word penetrates deep into our hearts and changes us. May you may be seated. If I could summarize it in this way, in a simple sentence of this whole passage, it's this. This is the big idea. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord with your praises, with your purity, with your places, and with your possessions. I'll say it again. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord and your praise, your purity, your places, and your possessions. These really, if you think about it, are the pressure points in our life. These are the areas that we, we hold on to the most. To put it another way, it's, it's our singing. It's our sexuality. It's our, um, it's our security. And it's our stuff. Except that's not all true, right? Because it's not all of our stuff. And it's not all of our singing. And it's not all of our sexuality. It's not all of our security. Everything belongs to the Lord. Today is this a recognition of what belongs to God. There's a dedication. And, and in the context of this story, the people had worked really hard. They had built a wall. They were finally, they had built the wall. They had overcome all this adversity. They had been, they had been really uh, redeemed from slavery and for generations. And now they're excited and they're saying, God, you did this. We want to dedicate this all to you. And so they dedicated in these, these four areas that we find at least in this passage today. Now you think about, let's talk about sinning first of all. You might think, well, you know, some of you love to sing. Some of you are like, well, some of you really like to sing, but like me, you're not really great at it. Um, singing is pretty important. Can you imagine if our government all of a sudden said, no more singing? That would make people, that would tick people off, wouldn't it? Right? I mean, don't mess with my music. If you are a student, don't mess with my Spotify list. If you are, if you are a, a grandparent, don't mess with your gospel music, right? Don't mess with the music. It's pretty important. And we see here that they're singing. They're, they're giving time to the importance of singing and music. And, and essentially, if you look at verse 27... They did this with great gladness, and it was loud, with thanksgiving, with cymbals and harps and lyres. Now, I got to tell you, we love to sing songs to God, and we try to sing them loud, not to drown anybody else, not to hurt those who have, have hearing aids today, but we are excited about what God has done for us. Amen? Amen. God has saved us from sin, from Satan, from ourselves. And so we're excited about it. There's joy. And in this, time, in this time, this was not a solemn event. It was celebration. It wasn't reflection. It was rocking, okay? And so they had their equivalent of a worship band. They had their, their cymbals. They had their lyres, which is like our guitars. And they had the harp, right? They had the harp. Now, we don't have a harp. It's not one of those big, big, big harps. It's one of the, probably the smaller ones. And these, this, this was a celebration that was loud unto the Lord. And it reminds us that we, we are to be 
singing songs of great joy to the Lord. Here at Temple, we try to sing one another's songs to God. They're Godward. And there'll be times where, you know, actually the most worshipful thing to do is there's going to be songs that, that maybe aren't your favorite. Maybe you love the hymns and, and somebody else is singing a different type of song, and, and, but you see them worshiping and you take great joy in that. That is even more worshipful to God. Or vice versa. You know, you, we sing a hymn and, and, and uh, maybe that's not your favorite but you see how that really brings back memories for somebody and, and a special time in God's life, and it really encourages you. That's why we sing one another's songs to God. And so it's, it's important that we, we, uh, we have, like they did in Nehemiah's day, multi-generational worship, worship that honors God. Look what verses 28 through 29, it says, And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Nanaphathites, also from Beth Gilgal, and from the region of Geba and Asmoth, and for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. So get this, like worship was so important that they actually built and moved from the villages. They've created villages so that they could, they could create more worship around Jerusalem. That's why worship has to be a priority here. We have to continue to worship. And here's the best thing. Here's what we go for at Temple. We want your voice to be the loudest. Pastor Jason, our, um, our discipleship worship pastor, uh, the human voice should be our loudest instrument in praising to God because guess what? He created that directly. So sing loud to the Lord. Enter in. And could I challenge you? If the people back then moved to the center of worship, the locus of worship, how about you? One of the things we're, we're hoping and saying, I'll just say it, we would love for you, especially at the back, to move closer to the front. And here's why. Because this is where the white hot worship is. <laughs> don't you get distracted back there? Don't you get, like, I get often, I, I, I don't know about you, maybe it's a little bit of ADHD, but I, I'm watching everybody. It's not about washing, it's about worshiping, right? This is not a spectator sport. So next week, like, come up to the front. You will be blessed, okay? You will be blessed. We encourage you to do that. That's an application. What does it mean, though, as we think about going forward, it's not just about our praises, but it's also about our purity, right? Dedicating to the Lord. And look at verse 30. It says, And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. So they're purifying everything. And you might say, well, what, is the, what does it mean to purify yourselves? What does it mean to purify all these things? Well, here's what Bible scholar Charles Fensham says, what the priest did. The priest... Uh, purified by fasting, from abstaining from also sexual intercourse for a short time, a sin offering for a wearing and, and washing their garments, and for bathing. Which now makes sense because my mom would make me take a bath on Saturday night before church the next day. Right, Steph? That's what we would have to do. Saturday night bath, just before the Muppets. And, and so, <laughs> so, so... You know, I guess it's biblical, Mom, what you were doing. You probably didn't even know you had a biblical reference for this. But they were purifying themselves. 
So how do we purify ourselves now, right? Christ has forgiven us of our sins, but so how do we live in a way that's really pure? Well, let's remember that, that first and foremost, purity is a community project, as someone has said. You are not alone in this. You are not alone. And I'll give you some examples, okay? So in my life and in our elders' lives, we hold each other accountable. So everything, every website that I go online, Daryl Brush and David Pinkerton over here get a report. And it gets flagged if there's something that is suspicious. And so um, there are times where I'm sure David's like, man, Pastor John is on baseball websites all the time, right? <laughs> but on occasion, there's been times where I've, I've looked at things that are not honoring to the Lord. And then I have to repent before God. I have to repent before others, before Daryl or, or David and before the elders and, and confess my sins to God in purity. Community, purity is a community project. We've got to help each other out. Do you have an accountability partner? Do you have somebody who can hold, hold you pure? Ladies, what about, what about if um, you see another sister in Christ who is maybe showing a little bit too much flesh? Would you kindly, not judgmentally, but discreetly say, hey, you know what? Let's not draw attention to ourselves. Let's draw attention to the Lord. That's the same with, with us guys. Maybe we're trying to show off our muscles because we're working out too much. Let's, let's remember that purity is a community project. Did you realize that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, in the New International Version, it says this, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, purity is not limited to just these three things, but this, this is certainly part of it. We need help. That's why um, young couples uh, in our church probably get married at a younger age because they know that God has said that it's wrong to have sex outside of marriage. And so the Bible teaches it's better to marry than to burn. And we say, it's not just avoiding pregnancy or STIs or any of those types of things. You know what? We want you to understand what love really is, that love is patient, right? We also want you to understand that, that sex, if you have before marriage, it just becomes the dominant expression rather than learning about that person fully, who they are. And so the relationships get stunted. And so wait until marriage where that expression can be fully realized. God created sex. It's an amazing gift. But purity is a, is a community project. And on this weekend where we celebrated Valentine's Day, when we celebrate family, I want to also remember the singles. Here's some advice from Gina Delfonso in her book, One by One. This is what she says. When the whole world seems to be obsessed with sex, and believe me, when you're not having sex, that's something you're very much aware of. The church of God gives something the world can't. We don't have to be obsessed with sex. And in a paradoxical way, this sets us free. This is a message you will not hear outside of, of the church. 
In fact, one single in our church said this. She said this, Christ, I write it down. Christ is enough and far greater than any of my own desires. It's so important to refrain from things that would cause you to stumble, shows, music, whatever, to be sure to bathe yourself in God's word, desiring to fall deeper in love with Christ alone. And then this person went on to say this, I did struggle more at one point with how that sexual need was to be met in my life when I'm single, but I'm understanding better that in him alone is true contentment. And I've learned, listen to this, if the Lord knows and supplies every need, and he hasn't given, up, given me something, then he must deem that I don't have need of it at this point in time. Boy, that's mature. In fact, I love what John Piper says, Pastor John Piper, he says this, resolve to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add to you everything you need sexually, married and single alike. It may be a spouse, it may be the grace and freedom to be single and pure and content. That is up to God. Ours is to seek the kingdom, or to put it another way, our all-consuming passion must be to glorify God and our bodies by keeping ourselves free from every enslavement but one, the joyful, fulfilling slavery to God. That's classic Piper right there, right? So we must dedicate ourselves and our praises to God and our purity to God, but also our places. Look at verse 31 now. Nehemiah says, And I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall. So the wall that they had built. That's really cool. And appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. I love choirs. In fact, I would love for the choir to be here every Sunday, up here on the stage. So if you have a voice to sing praises to God, we'd love for you to, to join our choir. You can talk to Adrian Hoyt afterwards. You can stop at the Welcome Center, and we can connect you with this. And then look at um, look what it continues to say in verse 31. One went to the south on the wall to the Dung Gate. So why would they go to the Dung Gate first? Well, think about this. They had just purified themselves, right? So now they're essentially saying, we're bringing purity here to the whole city. We're bringing purity. Can you imagine this? Not because we're better than others. We know we're weak. We got struggles all the time. But we come to, to the city, our city, and say, listen, we want you to live in a pure and righteous way. We're giving praise to God for that. Look down at verse 38. The other choir of those who gave thanks to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall. So in verse um, 31, and, and we also see in verse 33 that Ezra is mentioned. So Ezra is leading one choir, essentially. Nehemiah is leading the other choir. And we can see on this map that they essentially surround the city. Okay? I know it's hard to see, but... Um, they essentially started right up here. Did I get this to work? There we go. Starts right up here. The first choir, the south, southern choir, it goes this way, right? Down to the Dungate. Comes along this way. Then we have this, the northern choir goes along this side of Jerusalem. And then they meet. And they've surrounded the whole city. Now, when... My mom and dad, my mom and dad grew up Pentecostal. And they had a thing called the Jericho Walk. Right, Mom? And the Jericho Walk was during the service. Everyone would gather and they'd do a circle around the church. Now, we're not doing that right now, okay? 
might be a little weird for some of us, but that's what they did. They were essentially doing this. Now, I'm not saying that we as a choir, maybe at Christmas time with Christmas caroling, but what if we, we essentially went out to the city of Cambridge and in our places, in our, um, our neighborhoods, we started praying and we started praising God for these places. We started praying for our neighbors and just that God would bless them and that God would take care of them and God would protect them. Remember we said a few weeks ago, we're for the city. We're not against the city. We love, we love our neighbors. And what if, what, if, what if like the people of old, we actually surrounded the people with, with this prayer? So today, maybe it's not too cold. Maybe that's one of the applications. Maybe as a small group, you'll do that this week. You'll, you'll actually go for a prayer walk and a praise walk, and praising God for things. Maybe it'd be around your, your, uh, your workplace, your school. If you started just saying, God, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over this place. And you're not trying to make a land claim, okay? You're trying to make a, a light claim, that the light of the world has come to overcome the darkness. What would that change in, in our homes, and in our schools, and in our workplaces if we did such things? It's biblical to dedicate buildings and properties to the Lord. This is the Lord's. That's what we're going to do, hopefully. We've done it in the past as a church a number of times, and, and we hope to do that in the future. We get done the Master's Plan 4.0 of recreating our property here. You know what? People who, who, um, who belong to, to the kingdom of darkness do these things. When, in 2000, when I went to Haiti... We learned that Haiti's had a lot of problems. That in 1791, in order to overthrow the oppressive France, the Haitian slaves actually said to the devil, they said, we'll make a pact with you. We will give this land of Haiti to you if you help us overthrow the French. And I'm not saying that every problem that Haiti has ever had is because of that. But my point is, if people can dedicate things to evil and what's bad, and there are places that are bad, can we not dedicate things to God? Should we not dedicate things to God? And when we do, we ask God for protection, and it causes, there's a great joy that happens. Verse 43, they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy, and the women and children also rejoiced. It was multi-generational. It was, it was something that everybody did and was a part of. And I love it how it says, the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. What if we praise God so much and, and we let our light so shine before men that people praised our Father in heaven. What if we started doing that more and more, made that our effort this week? So we dedicated our what? Our praise, our what? What's the second one? Purity and our places. But the last one's our possessions. Look at verse 44 and 47. On that day, 
Men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Jump down to verse 47. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. And they set apart that which was for the Levites. And the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. When, when, the, when the Israelites came into the land, all the tribes got a portion of the land, except for the Levites. The Levites were to serve everybody. Their only inheritance was the Lord. And the people were, because... The people who were in the, in the surrounding area were supposed to make crops and be able to provide for the Levites. They were providing for the worship catalyst. And I just want to say thank you for how you provide for those here at this church who try their very best to help lead us to worship. That's essentially what was happening in that day. Notice what they do. They give... They give first fruits. They give the first and best to God. They give a tithe. They gave a 10% of their income. We encourage you to tithe. We've been doing some research and 60% of our donors, we're super thankful for them, 60% of our donors give less than $2,000 a year. So there are some within that group, maybe students, whoever, that's, that's all they, they make. They're tithing on these things. But that means the rest of us are either living below the poverty line, which is $37,000 for a family of four per year, or we're not tithing. Would you test the Lord in this? And, and I say this for your benefit, not for the churches, though the church would benefit. It's because you will grow in your faith. You will see how God provides for you, how God takes care of you. And you who... You who are doing that, you can testify to this. We believe God is doing mighty things here. We want to reach 1% of the Cambridge with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, every, every, that at least 1% of this, of this town, from based on what we do, would hear the gospel. And then that would, that would happen in our region, in our world. And so we believe God is doing mighty things amongst us. My friends, why be dedicated See, dedication is a difference maker. You think about this. Um, I think about John. He's been dedicated. I watch him working out, right? He's dedicated working out, and he's getting stronger. And we need to be dedicated, and that changes things for us. But why be dedicated? Because this. Because Jesus was dedicated to us. Didn't he give us us all? Didn't he give everything for our sake? And because of that, because he died on the cross and rose again, we can be dedicated to God. It's all his anyways, right? And so as the worship team comes up, maybe there's some area of your life that, again, you've been hiding and that you got, God, I need to dedicate this to God. Maybe it's your voice. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's what, you, what you've been given as your abilities and your talents. Maybe it's, it's some money. Maybe it's... Um, Maybe it's today you're like, there's this one area that I've been holding back and it's my purity and I need to just surrender that to God. Whatever that is, we just ask that you would recognize today that it's worth it to be dedicated to the Lord. God will trade that pain and what's hidden for joy.
Guaranteed.